feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Lovely Rita, meet a maid, nothing can come between us. When it gets dark, I tow your heart away. It was a train wreck. President Biden's press conference today, he did go long. I mean, he at least answered some questions, but I really thought it was just a disaster. And I'm going to tell you why, everybody. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. What did you think of his press conference? And do you think that there were some catastrophic answers, well beyond just sort of the fumbling and the bumbling But there were some issues that I thought were just absolutely abhorrent. First of all, for him to say that, oh, yeah, he didn't overpromise, that he's basically done more in his first year than any president in American history. What planet is he on? And there were so many questions, first of all, that needed to still be asked. There was not any questions on crime. What about asking about the open border? I would have loved for him to have been grilled on that. And also, when you listen to his comments, I think he actually opened the door for Russia to invade Ukraine. And that's why this is utterly serious. This is not just about a guy who is fumbling and bumbling and just was all over the place. This is about a guy who also, I think, said some very serious things that, boy, what a contrast that is to President Trump. President Trump was very clear on this is what you need to do. This is what you cannot do. America will hold firm. America would lead. And now we hear from this president, boy, talk about a 180. And I think one of the most disastrous comments was about Russia and Ukraine. We're going to get to that in a second. And by the way, tonight on the show, uh, we have a great show. We have former White House Press Secretary Ari Fleischer, who is going to be joining us in about 30 minutes to give us his take on what he thought of this press conference, if indeed he thought it was a disaster, if indeed he thought that there were major issues and actually catastrophic, I think, in some ways. I want to get your thoughts as to what you were surprised about how you thought the media did, because there were a couple tough questions in there. We're going to get to some of them. At least there were some that were not all, hey, what kind of flavor ice cream are you eating? But for the most part, I thought the media was pretty soft on them, and they definitely seemed favorable to President Biden. You think about all the questions that Donald Trump was taking, it was like incoming in every single different direction from question one. Biden didn't get really a tough question until it went a bit in. And some of the stuff is so obvious because the polls are just tanking and tanking. And I firmly believe this president is in deep trouble. And I think he just opened the door for America to be in deep trouble based on his comment about Russia and Ukraine. I want you to take a listen to his use of phrasing where he said, you know what, maybe if Russia does a minor incursion, that won't be so bad. Tell me if that doesn't greenlight Russia and Putin, who clearly just needs not even an inch. He's going to probably do it anyway. But now you have the president of the United States 
opening that door wide open and basically inviting Russia to invade Ukraine because now Joe Biden basically said, hey, if you do something minor, there really won't be any repercussions not to worry about that. I was embarrassed. To me, it was such a sign of weakness. And I never thought I would say that about an American president. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Here is the comment that I think is disastrous for America and the world. And so I think what you're going to see is that Russia will be held accountable if it invades. And it depends on what it does. It's one thing if it's a minor incursion and then we end up having a fight about what to do and not do, etc., but if they actually do what they're capable of doing with the force amassed on the border, it is going to be a disaster for Russia if they further invade Ukraine and that our allies and partners are ready to impose severe cost and significant harm on Russia and the Russian economy. Buy some sanctions if you do a full court invasion. But if you do, quote, a minor incursion, then don't really worry about it. No big deal. Are you kidding me? You are dealing with a former KGB leader. And you basically just said, hey, if you want to do something small, no problem. No big deal. And if you do something really big, then hopefully NATO will come together and hopefully we'll figure something out. Does that sound like someone who's trying to keep Russia in line from invading Ukraine? To me, this is absolutely frightening. And I think he opened the door to dictators everywhere to basically say, hey, here's a green light. America's not going to put its foot down. You can do a minor incursion, you know, President Putin, Mr. KGB, and not to worry. I have never in my life heard an American president give a green light to an adversary like that and say not to worry, basically exactly telegraphing what the plans are. And the plans are nothing, especially if it's a, quote, minor incursion. That is outrageous. And I think he has put America at risk. And I think he's put the world at risk. And he has certainly shown a deep sign of weakness. Plus, also, what would a news conference be without his whispering? Listen to his answer. On schools, this is so weird. Very few schools are closing. Over 95% are still open. So you all phrase the questions when people, I don't think it's deliberate on your part, but you phrase the question when anybody watches this on television. My God, there must be all those schools must be closing. What are we going to do? 95% are still open. It's much more likely you're going to see that number go back up from 95 percent, back up to 98, 99 percent. But the, the outfit, the individuals of the district that says we're not going to be open is always going to get, and I'm not being critical of any of you, it's always going to get front page. It's always going to be the top of the news. But let's put it in perspective. 95, as high as 98 percent of the schools in America are open, functioning, and capable of doing the job. And then James Rosen, who I used to work with at Fox News, now he's at Newsmax, a White House correspondent, asked the question that I think a lot of people around the world are now thinking when they hear about the polls and a lot of questions about this president's mental competence. Take a listen to this exchange. I'd like to, um, I'd like to raise a delicate subject, uh, but with utmost respect for your life accomplishments and the high office you hold. A poll released this morning 
by Politico Morning Consult found 49% of registered voters disagreeing with the statement, Joe Biden is mentally fit. Not even a majority of Democrats who responded uh, strongly affirmed that statement. Well, I'll let you all make the judgment whether they're correct. Well, so the question I have for you, sir, if you'd let me finish, is why do you suppose such large segments of the American electorate have come to harbor such profound concerns about your cognitive fitness? Thank you. I have no idea. I have no idea. I just basically green-lighted Russia to invade Ukraine. I have no idea. And then, boy... Did he get defensive when he was asked about his what I thought were reprehensible comments last week when he was in Georgia talking about his voting reform bill? Take a listen to when he was asked about his comments last week, basically saying you're either with us or you're a Bull Connor, you're a segregationist, uh, you're a racist. This is how he replied. And I know that you dispute the characterization that you called folks who would oppose those voting bills. Um, as being Bull Connor or George Wallace, but you said that they would be sort of in the the same camp. No, Uh, I didn't say that. Look what I said. Go back and read what I said and tell me if you think I called anyone who voted on the side of the position taken by Bull Connor that they were Bull Connor. And that is an interesting reading of English. You, you, I assume you got in the, in the journals because you like to write. Wow. Here is what he said, actually, last week. Uh, I think he's calling people either a racist or you're with us. And most people hearing this who have don't have wax covering their whole ears can understand what he's saying. Take a listen. The consequential moments in history, they present a choice. Do you want to be the side, the side of Dr. King or George Wallace? Do you want to be in the side of John Lewis or Bull Connor? Do you want to be in the side of Abraham Lincoln or Jefferson Davis? This is the moment to decide, to defend our elections, to defend our democracy. Uh, unbelievable. Which side of history do you want to be? You want to be a racist or not? And then today he was so defensive when he was asked about it. I think this press conference was catastrophic, not just for the president, but for America. 1-800-848-9222. And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Let's go to Vinny in New Jersey. Your thoughts, Vin? Hey, how you doing, Rita? Listen, I watched that press conference today. That media was softer than melted butter. There were no strong questions. And for our president to get nasty like that with our press, and I'm more worried about my kids in the future, the way things are going to be happening, you know, with Russia and everything else. You know, my kids are in are teens. What's going to happen 10, 20 years from now? I think he's just as disgraced as a president, and I'm worried about the future of America. I am too, Vinny. And you know what? After I saw that and I thought, oh, my goodness, we have three more years with this guy. That's what's really scary is like, think about the disaster that has come. And anytime he gets a question that's semi-tough, to your point, Vinny, and I've been in there, by the way, I have grilled many a president in the briefing room. Um, I asked, you know, Clinton about the subpoenas. And there's a way to ask the question. By the way, to his credit, James Rosen, who asked that question, I played that question 
um, that was in Newsmax. And James Rosen, who used to be at Fox, now he's at Newsmax. I thought that was a pretty tough question where he said, you know, people question your mental competence. And he said it in a respectful way, you know, to respect the office of the president. Um, But I didn't think that was a softball. But I agree with you that 98% of the questions were softball. And if he couldn't handle a question where people were asking him, you know, was it correct when you were equating George Wallace? Was it correct when you were equating X and X? And he denied it to our faces if we didn't even hear it. The whole world heard his statements. We know what he said. We just played back what he said. It was so clear what he said, clear as day. He did say that. He either said you're with us or you are basically a racist and history is going to view you as a racist. And then yet he got defensive and kept trying to explain it over and over again. But you can't change what he already said. And then he continued to also question voting integrity and basically saying, hey, blacks will still, you know, vote like like basically the Republicans are still racist. But, oh, no, he's not smearing them. I thought it was reprehensible. And I am worried also about America, to your point. When we come back, we're going to continue with your calls. What did you think of this abysmal press conference? And I thought it's actually really scary for America. He's given a green light to Putin and also basically said, I didn't call anybody a racist, and then repeated it. 1-800-848-9222. Rita Cosby is on. And we are talking about what is a train wreck of a news conference. And I say that because I am deeply concerned after hearing President Biden talk specifically about, hey, if there's a minor incursion by Russia into Ukraine, don't worry about it, Russia, basically. He basically said, we're not going to do anything. I mean, that to me is frightening. And he was all over the place in his answers, blaming Republicans, also questioning the integrity of future Voting, And that, to me, is also, I think, a really, real big concern. Um, I want to play Biden 16. In fact, this is a comment where he talks about the election process and the legitimacy. Take a listen. A moment ago, you were asked whether or not you believed that we would have free and fair elections in 2022 if some of these state legislatures reforms their voting protocols. You said that it depends. Uh, do you... Do you think that they would in any way be illegitimate? Oh, yeah, I think it easily could be, be illegitimate. Imagine, imagine if, in fact, Trump has succeeded in convincing Pence to not count the votes. Uh, imagine I, if... In, in regards to 2022, sir, the midterm Oh, 2022. I mean, uh, imagine if those uh, attempts to say that uh, the count was not legit... You have to recount it, and we're not going to count. We're going to discard the following votes. I mean, sure, it, 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 I'm not saying it's going to be legit. It's the increase in the prospect of being illegitimate is a direct proportion of us not being able to get these, these reforms passed. But I don't think you're going to see – you're not going to see me, and I don't think you're going to see the Democratic Party give up on can go, coming back at assuming that the attempt fails today. And by the way, everybody, too, just some breaking news that Republicans successfully blocked 
the Democratic election bills. As we are talking about elections right now, uh, the two major bills, uh, which sets up basically a showdown over the filibuster because uh, Senator Chuck Schumer has talked about doing that, pushing it through maybe on just a party line vote. They know that they don't have the votes. Uh, but again, some breaking news that Republicans shooting down the two major election bills that the Democrats wanted to push. And you just heard President Biden just a few hours earlier basically saying, you know what, I will question the elections in the future if indeed these bills do not pass. Let's go to Phil in the Bronx real quick. Phil, your thoughts. Yes. Hi. Uh, The problem, Rita, here is that if you watch the entirety of Biden's uh, speech tonight, the two hours worth, there are very, very deadly issues. It's not even a matter of being being worried or nervous about it. It's it's a matter of, of, of severe danger for this country. You've got a guy that repeatedly seven times paused and stopped speaking and stared to the side or stared down for at least at least seven or eight seconds. The man cannot remember what he has to say or is unable to say it in a national emergency where time is of critical essence. Yeah, I agree. Hey, hey, Phil, I totally agree. And it is frightening opening the door to a minor incursion, also questioning election integrity in this country when he has gone after President Trump for the very same thing. What a hypocrite. Shame on him. And I think he's put the American public in danger. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back to Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue, when a Hawaii police department officer saw two swimmers in distress at a popular West Hawaii beach last summer, he jumped into action without hesitation, risking his safety to rescue the two women. And for his selfless actions, Kona Patrol Officer Ruben Pokahi was honored with a Hawaii Award during a ceremony held at a Hawaii council chambers in beautiful Kona, sunny, warm, beautiful Kona, Hawaii. Well, the award was presented by the council's Parks and Recreation and Public Safety Commission, which recognizes county police and fire department personnel who go above and beyond the call of duty. And the award is called the Hawaio which this award basically means glow or be radiant. So we now all know a word in Hawaiian. Officer Pukawai was presented with a lay appropriately and also a certificate signed by each council member at the ceremony. And so beautiful to see men and women in blue being honored for their great efforts. Well, because I care so much about our men and women in blue and, of course, about our veterans, I was so deeply disturbed, as I know probably a lot of you, when I saw what happened with Afghanistan and the way that we pulled out of Afghanistan, the way that the Biden administration so haphazardly pulled out, leaving many Americans and many of our allies behind. I thought it was shameful. I thought it was horrible. And today we are talking about the press conference with Joe Biden. In fact, in just about a few seconds, we're going to have here on the show former White House Press Secretary Ari Fleischer to get his take on what I thought was a bumbling press conference by this president. And the president was asked about Afghanistan. And this answer to me was abhorrent. He basically said, uh, you know, what we did, uh, no big deal. Take a listen to this. Now, am I, do I feel badly what's happening to 
as a consequence of the incompetence of the Taliban? Yes, I do. But I feel badly also about the fistulas that are taking place in eastern Congo. I feel badly about a whole range of things around the world that we can't solve every problem. And so I don't view that as a competence issue. And joining us now to talk about President Biden's press conference is former White House Press Secretary Ari Fleischer. Um, Ari, I know you've been a part of many a press conference, uh, also helped many a president, too, as well. How did you rate President Biden? It was sort of all over the place, and I thought a lot of missteps. Well, he's committed a massive blunder tonight. When, when he said to Vladimir Putin that a minor incursion of Ukraine is okay, I mean, can you imagine giving a green light to Vladimir Putin to invade Ukraine? That is my biggest takeaway from this news conference. And now the White House has tried to clear it up with a statement after the news conference, but it's too late. It was a shockingly inappropriate thing for an American president to say, particularly one whose reputation, Rita, is, is that he is the foreign policy expert. He's been around for 40 years. He knows every foreign leader and head of state. He's supposed to have been briefed about everything involving Ukraine. His people are saying an invasion's imminent, yet he says a minor incursion is basically okay, and we might not retaliate the way we would for a mate. But how many minor incursions does a country get to have? I mean, can what happens if Mexico launches a minor incursion into America? I mean, is is that okay? What happens if China launches a minor incursion into Taiwan? Is 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 that okay? This was a terribly big blunder. And then he blundered on domestic policy, too. But that was the biggest. It was about foreign policy. Yeah. And you know what was interesting? It just showed a sign of weakness, too, because it was like, well, if he does a minor incursion, then, you know, maybe um, basically maybe he gets away with it. Um, even if he does this, then we might do this. Well, like it was so to me, it did not show a sense of power. It didn't show a sense of America taking the lead by any chance. It was very weak. You got that one. And he said that we have to be on the same page, that if there's a minor incursion, we're going to fight. We may fight among NATO members. And it's important we're on the same page. No, it's not important that all 30 nations in NATO are on the same page. What's important is that America leads, that we bring others around to our position. And if one or two nations in NATO disagree, fine, let them disagree. But we need to lead. And that's the weakness of Joe Biden when, when you're so internationalist that you lose sight of what's right and wrong. You know, what's interesting, Ari Fleischer, too, is that he also basically uh, put a hole in the integrity of future elections in America. Yeah, and yet he has yeah. spent so much time blasting, you know, former President Trump and, and the Republicans for that. And yet today here he was questioning the integrity of our elections in our country. I mean, how does talk about a hypocrite? You nailed it, Rita. And, and let, me, let me promise you, when you read the news tomorrow, the mainstream media is not going to focus on that. Now, if Donald Trump had given the exact same answers to whether the 2022, if he was president, election would be legitimate because he was heading for a bad midterm election. And Donald Trump did not 100 percent affirm the legitimacy of the upcoming 22 election. It would be the only story you'd read tomorrow. But tomorrow, the press is going to cover this up for Joe Biden. Joe Biden just questioned the legitimacy of an election in which his party is about to get trounced. And that's okay with the American press corps. When Donald yeah, Trump you're right. They blow their horns from the highest, highest place they can find. 
And this is the hypocrisy of the press. But, you know, the great news is, Rita, people like you, you see it, you call it out. There's this huge new development in America where we get our news from people who just think the way we do. I hate that because I wish we could all get our news from one place and not have to work so hard and shop to find it from like-minded people. But when the mainstream media doesn't do its job, I'm so grateful we have people who will. Thank you. And you know what? I just call it like I see it, Ari. You know, you know, you and I have known each other a long time. You know, I, I listened to also his rhetoric on the divisiveness of those who are either with him or those who are against him on his, quote, voting rights reform. Yeah. And he tried to reinforce, well, no, I wasn't calling them racist like he was last week in Georgia. And I almost felt he just re- reinforced it. He basically doubled down. He is the worst race baiter we have ever had in the White House, Rita. And I don't say that with any hyperbole. He is the man who, when he was running against Mitt Romney, of all people, when it was the Obama-Biden ticket against Romney, Joe Biden said to a black audience that Republicans want to put you all back in chains. This is the same type of thinking that he went down to Georgia with last week when he said that if you don't agree with my position on whether early voting should be 10 days or 15 days, that you're with Bull Connor you're with George Wallace. You're with Jefferson Davis. And today he acts indignant and rejects that he linked people who oppose him on voting to those three segregationists, one of whom led a civil war against the country. He doesn't understand what a race baiter he is and how he alienates and puts off Republicans who might want to give him a fair hearing, might want to praise him on one or two issues. But he is an, 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 to the extreme when it comes to divisiveness, and he doesn't think he is. But it's exactly because of reasons like this. You can't call your opponent segregationist. You can't say they're on the side of Bull Connor and then expect them to look at you and say, you're such a reasonable leader. He's a race baiter. Yeah, and here's the guy who said, I'm going to try to unify the country. You know, he also said, Ari Fleischer, today in the presser, no matter how hard they try to make it for minorities to vote— um, I mean, that was also a dig, like, okay, you're against minorities, that this is all, like, anti-minority. Yeah, exactly. This is just more of the same. When, when, and this is why I say he's the, race ba- the worst race baiter we've ever had. You know, the racial issues in America continue to improve. When you go to real people on their jobs, in their neighborhoods, in their homes, race relations have improved dramatically over the last 60 years. But people like Joe Biden can't let it go. They have to stir the worst pot, play to the worst, most divisive angles in American politics and society. Why? Because they need to instill fear in enough people to get them to vote against Republicans. That's their game, and so many of the American people have rejected it and moved beyond it, and I'm gratified by that because we are a good, tolerant nation, and we know how to treat our neighbors. He doesn't. Yeah, and he accepted no responsibility. He basically blamed COVID for everything, too. Um, Ari, I know that you're working on a great new book, and it's a bit about this topic. So I have to ask you, as I'm watching the press conference, and I've been out there as a reporter asking the president questions, you know, different presidents' questions through the years— I felt like throwing a shoe at the TV today because I was going, oh, my goodness. Nobody asked him about crime. There wasn't a question about his open border policy. A Univision guy gets up and talks to him about visiting South America, but doesn't say, hey, yeah. what's going on? You're you know, putting these mandates on Americans. And yet here it's an open border policy and no vaccines of people crossing the border. What is going on with our media? 
Oh, and this is a book. I'm coming out with a book in the summer. It's it's called Deception, Suppression, Snobbery, and Bias. Why the press gets so much wrong and just don't care. It, you know, Rita, it's, it's because they look at the world through the lens of basically a college-educated Democrat, which is what most reporters are. So the fact that illegal immigration to the country is soaring, that taxpayers have to pay for it all, that's not an issue to them because they're fine with it. So they don't ask Joe Biden about it. They don't ask about the soaring crime rate in America, the surge in murders across America. None of these are the issues that they ask about. And it's because they know if they ask about these issues, it's kind of as right wing issues. These are things that conservatives and they kind of curl their nose, compare, uh, concerned about. It's a terrible sign of why the media has lost the trust of the American people. And there were some tough questions today. I do think since Afghanistan, the press has gotten tougher on Biden, but still their instinct is to go easy. Yeah. What did you make of, by the way, Joe, um, James Rosen, um, who asked the question, listen, there's a poll that says that you're basically mentally incompetent, that most people think that. Do you agree and do you understand? He said, you know, I I don't know why. And moved on. Yeah. Look, I I do think, in fairness to Joe Biden, that angle is a little overdone. I mean, his big issue is that he's almost 80 years old. He's slow. He walks slowly. When you see him speak, he speaks the way somebody who's about 80 would speak. And it it just doesn't instill confidence from the American people that he is sharp and on his game. Hence why he said that about a minor incursion. You know, I do think... You can watch him, and he did give immediate answers to many of the questions. His hearing is good. But the very fact that we can have this conversation about our almost 80-year-old president is indicative of the problem. So I cut him a little bit of a break on it because I think some of his critics go a little too hard at him. But he's almost 80, and the idea of him running again in three years is complete, 100 percent total nonsense. Yeah, and he said he would. And in fact, he also supported Kamala Harris, too, and said she will be on the ticket. What did you think of that, Ari? Well, he has no choice. He he can't at this stage say, I'm not running. You know, to to turn himself into a lame duck politically, I I get that. Uh, And he also has to stick by Harris until he doesn't stick by Harris. So those are politicians' answers today, years ahead of the time he has to make those decisions. Yeah, very well said. Um, Ari Fleischer, thank you so much. I value your perspective so much. The former White House press secretary, a great one under George W. Bush when he was president. Ari, thank you so much. Thanks, Rita. Great to be with you. And always great to be with you, Ari. Thanks so much. When we come back, everybody, what do you make of Biden's press conference? Uh, You just heard from Ari Fleischer here. He was saying, He thinks that President Joe Biden is the worst race baiter we have ever seen in the White House. Uh, That's a pretty strong statement. And you heard comments today where he basically said, you know what? Yeah, you know, yeah, basically, no, I didn't mean that they're racist, even though if they do not vote with me, they're Bull Connor. Well, guess what? In the last few hours, Republicans didn't vote on the voting reform bills. So are they all Bull Connors? Are they all George Wallace? I mean, that's just horrible stuff. We're taking your calls when we come back, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. Also, by the way, I also look at your comments on Twitter as well. So check out at Rita Cosby. I often read your questions here on the show. I love to hear from you. All different directions, everybody. When we come back, your calls on the Rita Cosby Show. This is the Rita Cosby Show. 
Rita Cosby show. I will give him credit. At least he didn't pass out after being there for it looked like almost two hours. And he did answer a lot of questions, even though so many of them were softballs. And what would a Biden press conference today, the first one of the year and only his 10th one, um, very limited. He doesn't give access, as you know, because he usually can't handle questions. What would it be without him bashing Trump and the Republicans? Take a listen. Did you ever think that one man out of office could intimidate an entire party where they're unwilling to take any vote contrary to what he thinks should be taken for fear of being defeated in a primary? I've had five Republican senators talk to me, bump into me, quote unquote, or sit with me have told me that they agree with whatever I'm talking about for them to do. But Joe, if I do it, I'm going to defeat it in a primary. Does anyone believe that? And by the way, if they did, now it's going to be like, okay, who are the ones that say that privately? And of course, he always says they're the past president. It's just so dismissive and it's so condescending and it's so um, undignified. You know, I just feel like a president who came in with the message of being unity doesn't do that. Now, he did say this was interesting. And you can see reporters kind of going, oh, okay. I guess what else is he going to say? You know, you just heard me talking with Ari Fleischer about this. But he was asked, are you basically going to run again? Are you going to have Kamala Harris as your running mate? Are you happy with the way she's handling voting rights issues and other issues? Take a listen to how President Biden responded to that. You put Vice President Harris in charge of voting rights. Are you satisfied with her work on this issue? And can you guarantee, do you commit that she will be your running mate in 2024, provided that you run again? Yes and yes. Okay. Do you care to expand? Pardon me? Do you care to expand? No, there's no need to. I mean, I asked the question. She's going to be my running mate, number one. And number two, I did put her in charge. I think she's doing a good job. Boy, are we in trouble if it's going to be a Biden-Kamala Harris ticket. Uh, I don't know how we're going to handle three more years of it, let alone if he runs again. one 800 Let's go to Jeffrey in Connecticut. Jeffrey, what would you make of the press conference? Oh, good evening, Rita. It was quite the circus. And, uh, you know, obviously... Russia basically controls the Western or European economy due to the fact that he's controlling the oil. So Joe Biden sent a message to Europe. Hey, man, put a sweater on. Not a joke. Yeah. You know what? You know, what's interesting, Jeffrey, when you talk about um, oil, what was fascinating was today. One of the things he said was, you know, I'm going to try to help Europe not be so dependent on Russia. And I laughed when I heard him say that because I'm thinking like, like, are you kidding me? Like, this is the guy who has stopped, you know, drilling in America, has only just talked about green, 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 has basically allowed for Russia to be able to have more gas, less American gas. It's made, He's made us, you know, not energy independent anymore. And yet then he's kind of wondering how can he help Europe. Well, maybe you could help Europe without your screwed up policies, you know? Let's not forget either. uh, The EU does not have a military. Right. And they look to United States. That's the key, Jeffrey. They look to America for leadership. And this president gave a green light 
to Russia today by saying, hey, you know what, we're not going to do anything if it's a, a minor incursion. Jeffrey, great call. Thank you very much. Let's go to Pete in Staten Island. Pete, your thought about this. Hi, Rita. I'm telling you, it was like a comedy show. I don't know what kind of drugs this guy's on, but get me some of them. I can't believe it. I mean, what he was saying, I, I was saying, I hope the world leaders are not listening to what he is saying. I mean, it's out of, he's out of his mind. Who can't see that? And you and know what's, you know what's amazing, way. Pete? The sad thing what? is that... The world leaders are watching and they're, they are listening. They're listening to every word. And what they heard today was a president who said, go ahead, minor incursion. Come on in, Putin. Don't worry about Ukraine. Basically gave a green light to dictators and sounded fumbly and bumbly and incoherent and called anybody who's against him a racist. I mean, that to me was a horrible example for the world. The Rita Cosby Show continues after the break, everybody. We're going to be talking about a whole bunch of stuff, including crime in America. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. I know your name is Rita. Because your smelling sweet. And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show, and I should say I am not surprised they made an arrest in the case of Brianna Kupfler, and this is the woman in Los Angeles, the furniture store, remember, broad daylight, some guy comes in, stabs her to death. They see now on videotape that the same guy actually, after he stabs her to death in the store for no reason, then he goes to a 7-Eleven, goes and buys some things like, yeah, no big deal. You know, callous, cold, unbelievable. Luckily, they have made a bust, and I'm going to talk about it later on in the hour, because lo and behold, it's a repeat offender with an enormous rap sheet. And it's a guy who has gone before, I think, one of the softest DAs in the country, Gascon. He actually went before him, and Gascon let him out. On another offense. And if you look at his rap sheet, it is a mile long. It is despicable. And it is a great example of why we cannot have these soft on crime DAs. We have to have people who throw the book at monsters like this guy. And we're going to talk about some stunning new details in that case. And again, some big ties to George Soros, some big ties to Gascon and why it is important that people start to stand up because these killers just have no mercy. And this guy is, his rap sheet is like, it's like a book. It's like, you know, page after page after page. It's not just on the West Coast. It's on the East Coast, too. Like there wasn't any part of the country that looks like he didn't commit a crime in. And we're going to talk about that because it's affecting all of us all over the country, including also in New York, Alvin Bragg. The list goes on and on. Meantime, we are also talking about Joe Biden's press conference, the disaster and the meandering and everything else. And in the middle of it all, 
Did you guys hear this part? This I thought was really interesting and really revealing and almost like, whoa, 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 what was he just saying? Because he was talking about so many things. First, he was calling Republicans racist if they didn't agree with him on voting. He was trying to go after President Trump, which he always seems to do because I think he's worried about him and threatened by him. And he should be based on the poll numbers of late, especially Biden's tanking big time. And then he was asked about his mental fitness. Then he did that whole mix up with, you know, Russia and Ukraine. And then a reporter asked him an interesting question also about China. You know, what's going on? Did you talk to leaders in China about the coronavirus? Did you get any answers on that? Take a listen. This is a really interesting exchange and something I hadn't heard this president say before. And I'm not sure if it's even correct, but take a listen. It is during your three and a half hour virtual summit in November with the Chinese president. You didn't press for transparency and also whether that has anything to do with your son's involvement in an investment firm controlled by Chinese state owned entities. The answer is that we did. I did raise the question of transparency. I spent a lot of time with him. And he, uh, the fact is that they're just not they're just not being transparent. Transparency on the coronavirus origins. Yes. And you did during yeah. the virtual summit. Is there a reason your press staff was unaware of that? And what did you say to well, the Chinese president? And they weren't with me the, whole, the entire time. Look, I made it clear that I thought that China had an obligation to be more forthcoming on exactly what the source of the virus was and where it came from. By the way, I thought that was really interesting. It's the first time I have heard the president say that he pushed China on the source of the virus. So I was happy to hear it, but I don't believe it because all the transcripts that came out of that conversation that he had with China, none of them showed that he even brought up the coronavirus in any shape or form. So if he did, he did it like while he was sneezing or something like that. Uh, By the way, I want to talk with you about transparency anyway. How's the window shades? You know, I mean, clearly they didn't get it in the transcript somehow. They didn't get it in the readout by his own staff. Wouldn't you think the staff would want to come out and say, oh, look at Biden, look at him puffing his chest. He really let, uh, you know, the premier of China really have it. So if he did, his staff didn't even notice that it was so lame. But that's what he's claiming. And I still wonder why the heck has the U.S. government not taken a stronger stand, not taken a strong lead to go after and find out the origins of this virus that has claimed more lives in modern history than any virus we have seen again in our lifetimes, at least in my lifetime. You know, I wasn't around in the 1918, you know, but in this lifetime, for me at least, I have never seen anything like this. And it's outrageous that this president has not gone full throttle. And I thought it was really interesting, the reporter's question there, because the reporters also said, and you could tell, by the way, I wish the reporter had followed up, because the question was also, is your son's interest in Chinese investment companies basically playing a role with you not wanting to push China? And you notice Biden sort of sideswept this and then he kind of went on to the other. And the reporter should have said, Mr. President, and followed up. You didn't answer the first part. What about your son's interest? I thought that was great. But he should have followed up and he didn't follow up. You know, maybe the president wouldn't have let him, but he should have at least tried. And this comes on the heels of a really interesting investigation. I want you guys to check out WABCRadio.com. Um, also, by the way, we are taking your votes on this because there's some really interesting details in a story that we have there. It's a, it's a really 
fantastic job of enterprise reporting, talking about the role of Dr. Fauci and some of the comments that he made in the past, some of the funds going through the NIH, um, some of the cases that we know and the timing of the coronavirus appearing in China. And why has Fauci still been so quick to deny, oh, no, 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 it's not the Wuhan lab? So I want all of you to, first of all, take a look at WABCRadio.com. We are doing a poll. I love this. And the question is, did the top doc know more than he let on? And you get a chance to vote. Uh, you know, yes, no, what do you think? So I want you to go to WABCRadio.com, put your vote in, because I'll put my vote in. Yes, I think he absolutely did. There's no question. And if you take a listen to Rudy Giuliani earlier today, who has a great show here on WABC at 3 o'clock every day, this is what he had to say about the ruthlessness of China. Take a listen. He said, oh, the Chinese wouldn't want to kill their own people. What is he crazy? There is no country on earth right now that has killed more of its own people than the Chinese Communist Party. None. There is no one that disputes that. Not even communists. They're proud of it. The Chinese Communist Party, Xi Jinping, would not give a damn if he lost 10 million Chinese. If somebody walked into his office and said, we just lost 10 million Chinese, he'd say, thank you. That's what we're trying to do. That's why we kill girl babies. That's why we're trying to eliminate, completely eliminate the Uyghurs. That's why we practice genocide. Who else practices genocide? Now, for Fauci to say that, right, he's got to be either the dumbest man in America. Is, there, is he the only one that doesn't know that the Chinese kill their own people? Or he is a massive, gigantic liar. And speaking of contradictions by Fauci, on January 26, 2020, John Katsimatidis, our owner and operator of WABC, aired a groundbreaking interview. It was fabulous with Dr. Fauci. Take a listen to how quick he was basically to dismiss this virus and poo-poo and kind of lowball China, too, at the same time. This is what he said. Again, this is January 2020. The American people should not be worried or frightened by this. It's a very, very low risk to the United States. The American people shouldn't be worried about this. It's low risk to the United States. Oh, I'm so sorry. I was off by, you know, a couple million deaths. (laughs) I mean, are you kidding me? That is unbelievable. And yet to this day, and we've interviewed on the show, he has not conceded that there was any information tying him through grants to China, specifically to this Wuhan lab for, quote, gain of function research that he seems to always dance around. What is he hiding and how much more is there to this story? I think there's a lot more. And I think we still have gotten far from the bottom of it. The fact that he was so quick to say, oh, no, it's not going to be a problem for America. It's just this little thing in China. Why was he downplaying it? And again, the timing of this is interesting. This is January 2020. Remember, soon after, it was like in March where we were really starting to hear a lot of these cases and things started to shut down. Uh, This is really troubling. And it also further begs the question, 
What did Fauci know? When did he know it? And what else isn't he telling us? Again, you got to look at our groundbreaking enterprise reporting. It's on WABCRadio.com. And also put your vote in there. What you think of Fauci. It's 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Let's go to John Vito. John in Staten Island. What do you think, John? And never say good night. Anyway, I tried this morning uh, now, and I'm for an hour about it. Anyway, first of all, I got to say, John, I can barely hear you. You just got to answer the quick question. What do you think about Fauci? First of all, I had had one speaker. Anyway, I I think that that Fauci doesn't belong over there anymore, and he should just get off his seat at his age. I don't know what he's going to do with the money that he has. He's lying left and right. I got the COVID, and I had the shot in March. I don't understand. If you let the people, the illegal people coming from the side of the border, how are we going to stop this COVID? And we got to be a little more serious because we we are really in trouble with this nation. I think everybody's laughing at us. Yeah, I do, too. I, really I do, too. What and we do? and you know, you know what's amazing? And, John, you know what's really amazing is also the fact that we are America. We should be taking the lead. We have suffered enormous deaths, enormous breakthrough cases, like you just said, that you had, thank goodness that you're okay, thank goodness. But almost everybody that I know right now that has the Omicron variant, most of them, thank goodness, have mild cases. But I think every single one of them, as I'm thinking, got vaccinated. Some of them got boosted as well. And yet they all got Omicron variant, like you said, he has been flipping and flopping. And the fact that here he was so quick, you know, in January to say, oh, no, we don't have to be worried about it. You know, it's just something kind of happening. It's low risk to the United States. For a guy who knows about viruses, why was he so quick to diminish this? Because by this time, they already knew some pretty serious things were happening in China. They already knew about some of the lockdowns and some of the other problems. He had great connections there. Why was he hiding all that? We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. 1-800-848-9222. What did Fauci know? And when did he know it? And what's he hiding up now? It's the Rita Cosby Show. Talking about President Biden's press conference just a few hours ago, where he basically said, either you're with me or you're a racist. He basically said, I can't question the legitimacy of elections in 2022. Meanwhile, he scolded Trump for the past. I I mean, this guy was all over the place, and I just think it was a disaster. We talked about foreign policy and also him saying that, oh, don't worry if there's a minor incursion by Russia. And on the foreign policy front, He really sounded soft on China. He was asked, you know, hey, um, did you bring it up in your conversation with the Chinese premier in November? You talked to him for three hours. Oh, yeah, I talked about transparency, about the origins of COVID. Anyway, how are you guys doing? It it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. What about that? It certainly, if it indeed did happen, because there's nothing in the transcript that says it did, it sure sounded like he barely mentioned it. And he was asked a lot about COVID in the press conference. And a lot of people said, hey, listen, when you came in, you said you were going to get rid of COVID, that coronavirus was going to be gone, that you would be in control and coronavirus would be like crying and weeping and walking away. And today he was asked, hey, 
Did you make some false promises to the American public given how bad coronavirus is skyrocketing now around the country? Take a listen. I didn't overpromise, and but I have probably uh, outperformed what anybody thought would happen. The fact of the matter is that uh, we're in a situation where uh, we have made enormous progress. You mentioned the number of deaths from COVID. Well, it was uh, three times that not long ago. It's coming down. Everything's changing. It's getting better. Look, um, I didn't overpromise, but I think if you take a look at what we've been able to do, uh, you'd have to acknowledge we made enormous progress. Uh, I don't think anybody's saying that you made enormous progress. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Stan in Forest Hill. Stan, your thoughts about Fauci? Fauci? Uh, what do you got? <laughs> you do the same routine. What do you got, Stan? You're Let's hear it. Stan, 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 you're the one who called you into the show. on him. Stan, you never did. Stan, you keep all right. bringing up the same stuff. Stan, what is you your, Stan, what is your love fest? Is he like your uncle or something like that? What's your love fest with Fauci? Hey, he's better than that job than anybody's been before. Okay? Oh, my God. Stan, Stan, you gotta quit the drinking, buddy. Lay off the booze. Love you, but lay off the schnapps. Let's go to Jimmy in Brooklyn. Go ahead, Jimmy. I think Fauci is a war criminal. You know, our government, really, listen, to, this is serious. Our government can't admit communist China was behind it because that, that's an act of war. We left 20,000 American prisoners in World War II that the Soviets wouldn't give back after they uh, got, got control of the Nazi camps. We're not going to go to war. We left 2,000 American POWs in Korea, maybe 1,200 or 1,000 in Vietnam. But you know what's amazing, Jimmy? And and I I hear the numbers because they're powerful and they're heartbreaking to hear. Um, But what troubles me is that this is the worst virus in modern history. And you don't go, hey, let's get the details. And Fauci still has yet to share the details of what he knows with this NIH grant. Remember, it wasn't like he offered it. It came up in testimony, and he's still dancing and prancing whenever he's asked about it, Jimmy. You know, and people think this is a coincidence. The communists did the Russian collusion hoax, the global warming hoax, the free and fair election hoax, 60 gender hoax. All of these mysterious things, it helped get Trump out of office. Yeah, no, you're right. There's some, there's some interesting things, no doubt, on the timing of all that. By the way, we have not just talked about soft on China. When we come back, we're going to talk about soft on crime. Luckily, there has been somebody arrested for that L.A. case. And guess what? He's a repeat offender. Long rap sheet. Rita Cosby is on. Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, when a World War II veteran, Claudia Cantu, turned 100 years old, she was hoping that she would get 100 birthday cards. But Cantu of Corpus Christi, Texas, has received so far more than 800 from across the country. Um, all the way from also Alaska. She also, by the way, got some from Canada. She got a lot from students, so from people of all ages. Now, the veteran's daughter said the idea to ask for 100 cards for her mom's birthday 
came when one of the women in her mom's poker group, I love that she's playing poker at 100 years old, God bless her, who then contacted a local TV station. And the Texas General Land Office saw the story and helped spread the word online. By the way, Cantu joined the Women's Army Auxiliary Group in 1942 when she was just 21 years old because both of her brothers were fighting in the war. And she said that she wanted to help. And how beautiful that Americans are shining a light on her and also Canadians too as well, uh, honoring her great service. Well, you guys know I absolutely love our military. I also love our men and women in blue. Um, But I feel like the job has gotten so difficult for police departments across the country. And it's gotten difficult for citizens, sadly, across the country as well, because crime has been skyrocketing. And there has been this horrible ugly trend of what I consider sort of this callous, disconnected killer. And it's really sad. It's just sadly a sign of the times. I think it is the efforts of the defunding police, which I think has been an abysmal mistake. It's been catastrophic. Police feel like there's not enough of them, that they're afraid to go after people when they have suspicions. There's so many problems like that. Then you've got the soft on crime DAs across the country. You got Alvin Bragg in New York. You got uh, Philly. You've got San Fran. You've got an LA Gascon. We're going to get to him in a second because I think he is one of the worst of the worst. Um, and then you've got this killer concept where these people just feel that they can brutalize over and over again and that no one's basically going to stop them. And guess what? When you have soft on crime DAs like Alvin Bragg and like Gascon, they just kind of keep repeating this cycle and giving these killers, albeit even if they're disturbed, they obviously are disturbed to be committing these crimes, but they're getting back out on the street. Um, first case in point, let's talk about the subway killer, of course. This is the guy who pushed the 40-year-old Asian woman into the ongoing R train. Remember what he was shouting to reporters on his way out? Take a listen real quick. This is him shouting, I'm God, I'm God, listen. You pushed the woman on the tracks? Yeah, because I'm God. Yes, I did. Why? Because I'm God. Why? I can do it. Why? Why? I'm God. Yeah, I can do whatever I want. Who cares? I'm God. You know, I can do whatever. Yeah, I did it. So what? Unbelievable, after he killed just an innocent woman who was standing on the subway platform. And then the Burger King killing in Harlem. Remember, the suspect gets busted. Remember, he used to work at that Burger King. The woman was giving him the money. She already gave him 100 bucks. She wasn't opening uh, another one fast enough, another drawer fast enough. She didn't have the key, and he was, like, screaming at her. And then he kills her ruthlessly, and then he gets busted And boy, what an arrogant SOB he was because he was saying America's going to burn and he's talking about reparations as he's being let out of the police department. Take a listen. Hey, 
Unbelievable. America's going to burn. Where's my reparations? After a guy gets busted for a brutal killing, remember the shooting at the Burger King? It's despicable. Well, now another repeat offender is behind bars. We've been talking about the case in Los Angeles. It's been making headlines across the country. And this is of the young grad student, Brianna Kupfer, 24 years old. Last Thursday, she was working alone at a high-end luxury store, a luxury furniture store. And she actually texted a friend and said, you know, I'm seeing this weird guy. He's kind of giving me a weird vibe. Um, and then the next thing we know is that another patron kind of comes into the store about 20 minutes later and finds her dead. She had been stabbed to death, was dead on the floor, dead on arrival as soon as authorities came. It was just so heartbreaking to hear. And now from the video, you see the killer goes in, stabs her, just randomly stabs her, didn't even rob her, then walks out casually. Turns out he actually goes to a 7-Eleven soon afterwards within minutes and goes and like buys like a smoking product and looks like he buys a drink and just kind of hanging out. No big deal. Like just somebody who kind of happens to walk into a 7-Eleven. The guy just stabbed an innocent woman to death and he just kind of shows no problem, whatever. This is the victim's father talking about that video and what he felt when he watched it. And we would love to see this guy off the street because it just feels as if he did this without remorse. You know, the limited video evidence we were able to see didn't look like somebody that cared for an act of incredible violence. No remorse. Can you imagine how that feels? It was his daughter. Well, the good news is they fortunately busted the guy not too far away from their 31 years old, Sean Lavelle Smith. And guess what? He's a repeat offender. When you look at this guy's background, it is stunning. Rap sheet, like a mile long. I've written a book and you know what? It was like, you know, close to 300 pages. You might as well put his rap sheet into a book. It would be longer than my book. You know, this rap sheet goes on and on and on. And not just on the West Coast, it's also on the East Coast as well. And lo and behold, at one point, he was before Gascone, soft on crime DA Gascone, who let him out on another offense. Take a listen. This is the deputy DA under Gascone talking about this killer. Clearly, he's a career criminal. Uh, and given his age, with that many uh, arrests and convictions, this is a person who will continue to commit crime. His crime is probably escalating. Obviously, there's no more serious crime than one can commit than murder, especially murder of an innocent, uh, unarmed person like Brianna. It is horrible to see this, and it is absolutely despicable. And again, if you look at this guy's rap sheet, it includes, by the way, assaulting a police officer, also firing on a vehicle with a father and a son. Uh, That happened in South Carolina. Then there was an arrest warrant out for him in North Carolina. He was carrying a concealed weapon. So you look, there's a history of violent crimes. He goes before Gascon, and Gascon basically gives him a slap on the wrist. The guy also served prison time before this. And if you look on and on and on, and he just 
walks into this furniture store and stabs this woman to death. It looks like for no apparent reason. There was no robbery. There was none of this. It doesn't look like they exchange words from what people are hearing. And now this guy never should have been on the street. Things are so bad in Los Angeles that the DA, this is the deputy DA under Gascon. And again, this is the current one, not the former one. This is stunning. The current DA, John McKinney, this is what he has to say about his boss, Gascon. Take a listen. He has created an environment where crime thrives here in Los Angeles County by explicitly telling the criminal community, you can commit crimes, certain crimes, I will not prosecute you at all. You can commit other serious and violent crimes, and I will downcharge you for those crimes. Uh, he's not prosecuting theft crimes uh, to some extent. He's not prosecuting gun crimes to the fullest extent of the law. Uh, we know he's advocating for people to be released without bail. Uh, it, it's just a mess here. Yeah, it is just a mess. How bad is it that that's the way he's talking about his boss? And guess what? That should also happen in New York. Now, it's a different scenario because it's the DA here, Alvin Bragg. But what I'm saying is that I think Eric Adams, who has been talking tougher on crime since people said, oh, you, he perce- oh, the perception is things aren't bad on the subways. And then he corrected himself and said, no, things are kind of scary on the subways, that he's scared on the subway. So he changed his tune. And again, he is the mayor, you know, Alvin Bragg is the elected DA, but I think we need to hear some more of this get tough on crime to the DA message from the mayor and from others. Granted, this guy works in the district attorney's office. Again, it's his boss. But if he has the courage to speak out against his boss, I think Eric Adams should have the courage to speak out against the district attorney. What are your thoughts, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Larry in Brooklyn. Larry, what do you think about this? Go ahead. Okay, Rita, you know, I want to say the reason that we have the, the kind of criminals that you just uh, outlined before, it's not because of recent, uh, you know, uh, trends like defund the police. When society becomes sick, the criminal is viewed as the underdog, and we forget the purpose of the penal sanction. When you give a guy less time than he deserves, these criminals are extremely rebellious. That's why they commit crimes. And when he gets less time than he deserves, he comes out. They all come out angry. But there's a difference. If you come out angry and you're afraid to go back because the time is so severe, you forget your rebelliousness. But if you're undercut and you're given a small amount of time, you come out angry with a vendetta against society. Oh, that's that's an interesting – that's an – and, you know, see, Larry, let me ask you, are you a psychologist? Because that's fascinating what you're saying. No, I just analyze things. Yeah, I love it. You know – you know what I think, Larry? I think also that it's like I also equate it a little bit to a child. You know, like if you've got a hot burner and the child puts his hand on the burner and suddenly gets burned really bad, you know, like you're talking about, they go into prison and prison is not pretty and they have tough times. I'm all for, listen, if you do a horrible crime, I say send them to the stone quarry, you know, and have them work 20-hour days, you know, in 105-degree heat without water. That's how I would treat it, you know. Um, I'm into tough love. But if you give them, like, soft treatment, just like you said, they come out, they feel emboldened, and they also feel like, hey, I got away with it. Um, I can do it again. Larry, that was a great call. Thank you very much. 
very much. Let's go to Shlomo. Uh, Shlomo, your thoughts about this? Yes, this reminds me of the Charles Campbell of Twisted Justice. Shlomo, you're all over the place. Let me go to Trisha in Connecticut. Trisha, go ahead. You're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Your thoughts? Well, uh, George Soros, who has said, I am a god, I created everything, I control America, is actually, to me, he's the devil incarnate today. He, he's creating murder and mayhem around the globe, and we especially see it in America, what you've been talking about, all these cases, these uh, terrible people. He, he spends millions getting them elected as DAs. Yeah, what do you think his reason is, Tricia? Because I agree with you. You look at the commonality here is these ultra soft on crime DAs like George Soros, like Alvin he, Bragg, and, and big money, you, to your point, Tricia. I mean, it's more than a million bucks into both different their campaigns. He spent a million on each one. I mean, that's a lot of money. I believe he has a God complex. I mean, he's destroyed currencies around the world. I mean, he destroyed the ruble. At, at, he, didn't he destroy the British pound? Yeah, he played, he played a role in that. Like, there, is, there are so many questions here, like you just said. That, and now when you look at this is just the wrong time to have this soft on crime approach. And you're right. Who would be funding this? Why would you be fueling this like ultra crazy leftist belief? Uh, and and it's, it's beyond even left. It's, it's insane. I mean, it really is. I feel like it's we are at a point now where you need tough love and you need DAs. I don't care if they have an R or a D or an independent in front of their name. I just want common sense law and order DAs who are just looking at the obvious that we are having this horrible crime trend across the country. And to sit there and say, oh, well, let's go soft on the criminal and let's try to think of ways to rehabilitate the criminal. You know what? The way you save society is you lock these monsters up, especially these repeat offenders. I mean, it it doesn't take a rocket scientist to look at this guy's rap sheet. I would have thrown away the key after his first one or two offenses. I'm looking at a list here of like 20 or 30 offenses. I mean, you have to be insane to let this person back out to create mayhem and murder, which is exactly what he just did. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. Should Eric Adams get tougher on Alvin Bragg? I say, yeah, at least speak out. Again, they're two different people. They were elected independently, but still, you can certainly have a say. 1-800-848-9222. We're going to continue talking about that and also the role of George Soros and why is this happening right now across America. 1-800-848-9222. Also, send me your comments on Twitter, at Rita Cosby, because I also look at your comments there. We also love to interact with you all different ways here on The Rita Cosby Show. This is The Rita Cosby Show. And George Soros continues to fund these soft on crime DAs. The latest case in point, luckily they arrested the guy behind this killing at the furniture store, this beautiful 24-year-old grad student who was working there, telling her mom, oh, I'm worried about working, you know, uh, trying to make sure it's okay. And then she told her friend, I saw this weird person. And the next thing you know, she is stabbed to death. And lo and behold, it's a guy with a rap sheet a mile long. And it is shameful. And even, guess what? 
He went before George Gascon at one point. This is that soft on crime DA in Los Angeles, who I think is one of the worst of the worst, along with Alvin Bragg. And take a listen to some of the rhetoric of George Gascon. This was not that long ago where all he seems to talk about is let's have sympathy for the killers. Let's have sympathy for the criminals. What about the victims? Take a listen to Gascon in action. People still serve lengthy sentences for serious crimes. But by eliminating the enhancements, we ensure people have at least a chance to show that they have grown and changed over time. I want to hear your thoughts, because guess what? I don't really care if they have grown or if they have more opportunities. If they took the life of this beautiful young girl and cases around the country, I say throw away the key. Put them behind bars. Throw away the key. I don't care about their feelings. I care about the victims and their families. And the head of the Fraternal Order of Police, Joe Grimaldi, said, you know what? History's going to look back and go, boy, did they make the wrong decision, these DAs. I think what you're saying is violent criminals getting out over and over again, thanks to rogue DAs like George Gascon in L.A., because in his environment, we've had murders go up 71 percent in L.A. It's been a complete disaster there. Crime and disorder everywhere you look. You have 30 municipalities voting no confidence vote in him. If he had any shame, if he had any integrity whatsoever, he would resign in shame from his position. And, you know, when we talk about these horrific crimes that happened to that young girl like Brianna, I think we forget about the families that are impacted by this. Her entire life was taken from her. This family is going to have to recover from this. And nobody stops to think about the things that they have to go through on the back end of this. And the worst part about it is the DAs who continue to push these policies that have caused so much pain, so much despair, so much trauma. They have no intention of changing whatsoever. And history is going to judge them for their cowardice. I agree. And guess what? I don't even think history. I think present day is judging them for the utter cowardice and callousness and the you know lack of concern for victims. What about the victims' families? What about getting tough so they don't do it again, these thugs, to these poor helpless people across the country? Let's go to Paul in Stanford, New York. Go ahead, Paul. Hi, Rita. Um, how about this? You're an ADA. You're a mental health professional. And you say it's okay. You hear these maniacs, the way they rant and carry on. You say it's okay, and he goes out and kills somebody. They should be held responsible. They should be held liable. That Miss Go's family should take the doctor, the hospital, the MTA, take them all to court, sue everybody. Tie them up in court, bring the media in, point the finger at them, and say, that's the guy who let that maniac out. Yeah, You know what? I, I actually, you know, it's interesting. You bring up a great point, because one of the things I also said, Paul, like even during the riots that took place in New York in 2020 across the country, I was always wondering when are businesses going to say, hey, my business is, was looted and de Blasio didn't put his foot down and they went after, you know, people who kind of allowed these things to happen you know, weren't tough enough and weren't allowing police to really do their job. Um, I think people are getting fed up and they are frustrated. And I think people are just going to say enough. And you look at Gascon right now. I, I really do. I feel like he has blood on his hands. This guy was before him. This guy had a rap sheet a mile long and soft on crime. D.A. Gascon said, all right, let's give this guy another chance. 
Well, the victim didn't have another chance. America doesn't have another chance. And I think we all need to speak out and stand up against these soft on crime DAs. And I hope other officials do it around the country and all of us. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 